Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Who's ready for the word? Who brought their Bibles to church on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, if you did, why don't you open to Exodus chapter 20, which is where we've been basing ourselves in this series. But I've been really excited about this series, and I feel like God's really doing something through it. Um, Anyone else feel like this series is a good series? You're enjoying it? I, I feel like God is really doing something. He's showing us His ways. He's showing us His principles, the way He does things, the way He uh, would like us to live, would like us to look at living through the seasons of life. And so just because this is part four today, I just wanted to take a step back and do a quick recap. But the first message was the principle of honor, which I think is so important when it comes to the kingdom life and understanding the kingdom of God. Honor is such a key principle. The second message was the principle of establishment, which I did from the new building. Uh, on, in the open space, talking about the way God doesn't just come in and go from one day to the other or one season to the next. No, He comes in and He establishes something in our lives, something that's lasting and steadfast and immovable and sturdy. And so that was uh, part number two. And then last week, I preached a message called The Principle of Rest, all about God's instruction to His people in Exodus 20 about taking a Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Not saying that we need to be legalistic about it now, but understanding that God wants to give us rest. He wants to give us a principle of rest. He wants us to live by that principle. Again, not being legalistic or rules-based about it, but understanding there's a rhythm we can live our lives in. So if you've missed any of those messages, and I believe specifically last week, the one about rest is very important for people. Maybe you've got people in your world that just need a break, just maybe working too hard, being honest, just just working too hard. Why don't you email them the link to that message from YouTube? And that'll be a way to bless them. But we're going to keep going in this uh, series today. So if you've got your, uh, your Bible open in Exodus 20, it says this in verse 17. It says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey. And those two things are specific, and I'm going to explain what they mean in a minute. Or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbors. I want to preach a message with the title this morning, The Principle of Contentment. The Principle of Contentment. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the power of your word this morning. Lord, thank you that your word speaks life to us. And as we open it up and as we get under the authority of your word, Lord, we just know that that's how you speak to people, that you let people know and you help people in life. And God, we just thank you for that this morning, Lord. Thank you that people come to church expecting answers from your word. And we just pray right now that you would deliver those answers through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and a faith-filled colonial church on Super Bowl Sunday said together, Amen. Amen. The principle of contentment. Contentment. What does it say? It says you shall not covet certain things. But there's a contentment principle that God's trying to apply to his people. He's trying to instruct his people. He's trying to get them to understand something. He's essentially saying something to his people through this principle. This is what he's saying. He's saying, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Be content with what I have given you now. It's what's, or in other words, what's in your field now? What's in your barn now? What's in your world right now? What's going on in your house right now? Ultimately, 
is the most important thing to you. It's not what's going on with someone else, but I want to make it personal with you. I want you to be content with what I'm doing with you right now, not your neighbor or not someone else that comes across us in life because that's what a neighbor is in, in the Bible term. It's not talking about the person who lives right next door. It's talking about the per- person we come across in life that we come across. That's our neighbor, but be content with what I'm doing with you, not with them. What does it mean for us to live our lives content? Well, the simple definition is this, to be happy or satisfied. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be happy and he wants you to be satisfied with your life. But he says, don't covet. And covetousness is simply this. It's the desire to have what is someone else's. And this is important to God. He wouldn't have put it in his top 10 if it wasn't important. But it's the desire to obtain, to take possession of something which belongs to someone else. It's someone else's property. It's someone else that, that, or is a person that that belongs to someone else, example of a spouse. It's the wanting what someone else has got and for that to be yours. God has a problem with that because he wants you to live content. He wants you to live with a principle of contentment. Ten Commandments, just if you study it, you'll understand very quickly, but it's ten rules for a civilized society. That's what the Ten Commandments is. It's so that anarchy doesn't break out. But if you read it and you look at it and you study it, you realize these are ten rules for a civilized society, but there are principles that God is installing in his people. This principle of contentment is so important in the world that we live in today. We live in a a society and a culture today that is living in a state of discontentment. Constantly unhappy, constantly dissatisfied, people unhappy with their boss, people unhappy with their, their marriages, people unhappy with... Uh, the state of their friendships, people aren't happy with the things they have, the TV's too small, the house is not big enough. People are constantly living in a state of discontentment. This is our world today. And there's something that's made it absolutely worse, and this is where it gets relevant today. There's something that's made it so much worse, and it's called this thing social media. Social media has taken this thing that resides in our pocket and causes us to be discontent with our lives. But I just want to speak some truth into us today about social media. Social media is not real life. Yeah. It's a tiny fraction of real life. Yeah. One of my, my pastors said it this way. He said, Instagram is posed. And I think that's so true. For the most part, it's posed. It's not real. Social media is not a real reflection of life. So we can't allow discontentment to come in because of that. It's not real. God wants us to live our lives happy. So likes don't equal popularity. And comments don't equal community. When it comes to my life, I don't want this app on my phone to be the correlation for my life and my happiness when it comes to the things of God. I won't let that happen. And by the way, I use social media personally as a way to get the word out about church and get the word out about the things of God and and things, I try to use it in the most positive way. I talk, you know, it's always, whether it's my family, church, positive things. And I think, I believe that the internet and social media can be positive. Yeah. But we have to be so careful it doesn't rule us when it comes to this issue, when it comes to the principle of contentment. Let me show you a few verses about contentment this morning. Luke chapter 3, this is John the Baptist outworking his ministry. In verse 10, 
People are coming to him. They're trying to get their life right. You know, it's a baptism of repentance. That's what John did. He, went, he was a forerunner before Jesus. He was getting people ready for the coming Messiah. And this is what people were saying to him. They said, what shall we do? This is the crowds. And he answered them, whoever has two eunuchs is to share them with one who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. And he said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you were authorized to do. And look at it. Soldiers also came to him. You see the, the, the society breakdown? Regular people, tax collectors. Now it's soldiers are saying to him, what shall we do? And he says this to him: do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be content with your wages. Be content. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Or a little, I think it's verse 7, says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Be content with what you have, I will, for it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's interesting about both those two verses, both times it says, Be content. Be content. Live content. Be content with what I've given you. Be content with the season that I have you. I wonder how content you are with your own life. Right now. What I'm not saying today, this morning, is saying that you need to settle and just live your life settling and just saying, well, I guess things won't get better then. My, my, pre, my pastor just told me I need to be content. No, that's not what I'm saying. You can believe for God to do more. You can believe, but you've got to be content with what he's doing right now. You've got to understand that he's working right now. I think discontentment can create a blockage in our spiritual lives where we don't see what God is doing. We don't see the life that he's pouring in. We don't see the things that he's teaching us if we live without contentment. Contentment has, or discontentment has the, the power to wreak havoc in our lives if we don't live content. And you see people in life and sometimes they, they aren't living with contentment. They're living in a state of dissatisfaction or unhappiness and they just go from one thing to the other, one thing to the other, over here, over there. And then the worst is when they start to spiritualize and say, oh, you know, I'm praying about it. It's like, well, you're up and down like a yo-yo. God doesn't work that way. I remember one of my first jobs straight out of college, I was a recruitment consultant. Sounds very fancy. I was a recruitment consultant for this firm in the city and I would help people get contract jobs in the city. A lot of them were travelers that were in Australia on working holiday visas, and so I get to meet some really cool, interesting people, a lot of English, a lot of Irish, people that were coming to travel and spending a year, and I would help them get jobs into different industries, but also get, help people get permanent jobs too. But during the process of reading people's CVs and resumes and whatnot and looking at their work experience, which is basically what the job was all about, my bosses used to tell me when they were training me in that job, they say, if you see anyone who has less than two years in a job consistently, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. And when you get into the interview, because we do a pre-interview before they, we'd send them out to, to go for a job, you'd have to talk to them about it. Say, so, so can, you, can I just ask you, why, why, why have you had so many jobs? Why has there been so, many, so much chop and change in your career? Why is that? And so many times it would just be a lack of contentment, a lack of uh, contentment in their lives and not appreciating 
what's happening in their life right now, maybe the opportunity that could be ahead if they stay there. But instead, they, what do they do? The grass is greener on the other side. Constantly looking over and looking around. And all it led to was ultimately back to the same place looking for another job again. But this is the world that we live in today. So a few things about the principle of contentment this morning. Have I lost anyone? We're all still leaning in? Okay, awesome. Point number one this morning about contentment. The, 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 The principle of contentment is this. Contentment starts with salvation. Contentment starts with Jesus. I just want to tell the truth and shame the devil this morning. Jesus is your contentment. He is the one that will give you contentment and the contentment you need is ultimately found in the cross. It's true. He is where we should get our contentment from. He is the one that we should look to for our true contentment. True contentment for a believer is found in the cross and in the blood of Jesus washing over our lives and knowing that we are saved. If you want to boil it all down to that, that's where we start. But that's where our true contentment in life lives, that Jesus is enough. Jesus can be enough. Jesus will be enough. One of my favorite songs, my favorite worship songs is Christ is enough. Because it's so simple. Because it's so true. He is enough. I'd love it if you could write this down. This is some truth that maybe you could meditate on when you're reflecting on this message this week. I am designed to be most content with Jesus. My design, the way God has created me to be, and I'm talking spiritually speaking because the spiritual world is ahead of the natural world. Even though the natural world feels like whatever it feels like, I am most content when I have Jesus in my life because I'm designed to be that way. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. It says, also, He has put eternity in man's heart. He's designed us to be content with Jesus. He's designed you to have God in your life and be content. That's the design for your life. But outside of Jesus, we have to be careful. This is why we need this principle. Because things can get in the way. Things can get in front of Jesus. And this is what the Apostle Paul's life was all about. Whether it was to the Jewish people or to the Gentile people, he was constantly training and teaching and encouraging and helping people understand you cannot put anything in front of Jesus. He has to be number one. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 5 is talking about the issue of money getting in the way this time. It says, In constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain, but godliness with contentment is gain. It says, is great gain. I love that because the truth is, with, with Jesus in my life, serving God, moving forward into the things of God, If I can be content with that, Paul says, that's great gain. I.e., that's a good thing. I.e., that's a benefit to you. You will be better off. Great gain. Great gain. I love he goes on and he says, for we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. How true is that? But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So point number one, contentment starts and I believe ends with salvation. It ends with Jesus. But point number two is this, contentment builds, comparison kills. Contentment can be a builder of your life. 
But comparison will kill your joy. It will steal your joy. It will come into your life and it will rob you of your joy because you will no longer focus on what God is doing. You'll no longer see it anymore. Comparison has this ability to bring us low. It brings us low. It's unhealthy. And this is why it's unhealthy. Comparison is unhealthy because it does one of two things. When I compare myself to someone else or to something else that someone has, one of two things happen. I'm either finding myself to be inferior, which leads to insecurity, or I compare myself and I find myself superior and that leads to pride. There's no in-between. So when I live my life comparing all the time, I'm living in a constant state, either insecure, trying to do something about it because I feel insecure because I'm not measuring up, or I'm looking at someone and the pride's rising up on the inside of me because I'm like, I'm better than that person. I'm crushing it today. I'm doing better than them. And pride rises up. And what does pride do? Ultimately, it edges God out. Contentment can build because this is what contentment in God does settles us, lays a foundation, helps us to build our lives on what God is already doing and look to the future in Jesus' name. Comparison is not a good thing. Inspiration is different. Comparison is not good, but inspiration is actually a really good thing. I preached a message a long time ago called Inspire Me, I'm Looking. It was all about vision, setting my, my, my vision on something and getting inspired towards God, what God has for me. So inspiration is a good thing because inspiration, I'm, I'm getting inspired and that's helping me get motivated and helping me move forward. But comparison makes me think, man, I'm not doing as good as I should be. Or maybe I'm doing better and I feel sorry for that person. And It's just not a good place for us to live. It's not a good place for us to be as Christians. The Bible talks about comparison as unwise. 2 Corinthians Chapter 12 in the New King James says, We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, look at this, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. There's no wisdom in comparison. And I believe the reason for that is because God's not there anymore. We get our wisdom from heaven. And if we're comparing, God's no longer in the picture. It's all about you and someone else. It's all about you and what's going on around you. So comparison is a killer. It'll kill off our joy. It'll kill off our happiness. And that's just so sad. Because you're blocked and you're no longer seeing what God's given you. You're no longer seeing all the good things He's given you. So point number one, contentment comes from salvation. Point number two, contentment builds but comparison will kill. And point number three, contentment can be learned. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. You can learn to be content in every single season. You can, you can learn to be content in the seasons where you don't have much at all. Because God's working something in your life. He's doing something in your life. Remember, I struggled with this when I first became a Christian. I was comparing myself to one of my best friends who was way ahead of me financially in life, like way ahead of me. And I found myself constantly comparing. And I sat down with my pastor one time and he just asked me about life. He said, what's going on? How are you doing? What are you believing for? Like, what's, what's the future look like? And we had a great conversation and I just kept on saying, I mean, I'm going to buy this apartment and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be able to have this and I want this and I want this. And it was also stuff that was just so 
outside of my season, so far away from where I was at. And my pastor in love and grace just looked at me and says, why are you comparing yourself? Why are you comparing yourself? You're just ripping yourself off. You're just ripping your own self off and probably the people around you as well. Why don't you just start with where you're at? Why don't you just start and be, be glad and be joyful for where you're at? And he actually said to me, just speaking practically, he just said, go and get yourself a studio apartment that costs four, uh, a fourth of the price, a quarter of the price. Go and start there. That's what you should do. And I looked at him with disgust on my face. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm meant to be there. Comparison was killing me. But he was right. Comparison will always take you somewhere you don't need to be. But contentment does something altogether as well. But I had to learn to be content. And I believe we can learn to be content as well. Philippians 4 and verse 10. Oh man, we can learn so much from the Apostle Paul. Outside of Jesus, oh my goodness, if there's anyone who learnt contentment, it was him. Philippians 4. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now at length you have revived my concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Look at it. For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and also know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What is he saying? He's saying it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. I've learned to be content. I've learned that God is working. I've learned that it's God who strengthens me. It's God who's caused me to be here. It's God who's put air in my nostrils so I can be content here. But he also explains in 2 Corinthians some of the challenges because he didn't hide from them. He didn't try to cover them, but he was living a real life. In verse 12, sorry, chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. This is Paul's thorn, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. Content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm content no matter what. So I've got for us this morning, just before we finish, I've got a little contentment checklist. Is that okay if I share it? But this might help you. Struggling with this issue, maybe insecurity, maybe pride, maybe comparisons trying to rob you. This checklist might help you. The first one is this, am I spending enough time with Jesus? That'll be a great way to get your contentment lined up right. Am I spending time with Jesus? Is there a moment each day in my life, in my world, where I just stop and I go and spend time with Jesus? I have, there are two chairs, there are, there are a set of chairs in my house. And to me, they're, the, they're my time with Jesus' chairs. Whenever I sit in that chair, Jesus is sitting in the other chair. That's it. Am I spending enough time with Jesus? If you're feeling a lack of contentment, if you're comparing, if insecurity, of pride, I, I, I just want to help you this morning. How much time are you spending with Jesus? Is there enough time with Jesus? The second part of the checklist is this. Am I in His Word? Am I in His Word? 
Because His Word is always going to make me content. His Word is always going to reassure me He's working in my life. His Word is always going to remind me of His promises. Am I in His Word? Number three, am I in community? Am I planted in the house of the Lord and flourishing in His courts? Psalm 92 says. It's a principle of contentment. If you want to be content in life, be planted in church. This is why. It's because when you spend time in church, you get fed the Word of God. You spend time with other Christians who love the Lord. And you get encouraged by the body of believers and your life begins to be based out of truth. So when you leave the house of God, this is what happens. You get met with comparison or you get met with something on social media that just isn't, doesn't line up, doesn't make sense. And your spirit and also the body of believers, the people that are around you, will help you navigate through that and stay on track. Stay content. Am I in community? So often people isolate themselves and then bad things begin to happen. Why? It's because you're not in community. You're not planted in the house. The Bible tells us if we're planted, we flourish. And I believe we can stay content. Number, what am I on? Number three? Number four. Am I comparing myself? Am I comparing myself? You know, I've had to deal with this one myself. Stepping up and being a lead pastor of a church with my wife, Jill. Leading this church together. How are we going to do this thing, God? Am I going to compare myself to some other church and their growth? Am I going to compare myself to some other preacher and how well they do? And Am I going to compare myself, should I be at this level because they were at that level? Or am I just going to trust God and be content with where I am? Am I comparing myself? I don't know where you're at in life. Maybe you're looking at a career path and you're where you're at right now and maybe you've been comparing yourself, thinking I should be further along because this person is further along or because some study said I should be further along based on my age. I don't know. But here's the point. God is working in your life. Be content with where He has you now. That's where the true value, that's where the gold is, that's where the good stuff is. And that's where the blessing is in Jesus' name. Next one. Am I surrendering my desires over to God on a regular basis? I want to explain something so important right now. I'm not for a moment saying you can't have desires. I'm not saying you can't desire something else. Let me explain. Maybe you live in an area of our city and you want to move somewhere else. I talked to a couple just, just this week. They were doing this. They, they desired to move to a different part of our city so their kids could go to a different school. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you live in a house and your family's growing and you have a desire to get into a bigger house. There's nothing wrong with that. What it says in Exodus 20 and verse 17, it says, don't desire what belongs to someone else. That doesn't mean you can't have desires for yourself. So I'm not for a moment saying that you should put down your desires. Maybe you desire to be promoted and step up and step out maybe and start a business. There's nothing wrong with those desires. Those are good things. But when we surrender our desires to God and we say, I'm going to be content and lay it with you, I'm going to let you be in control of this. I'm going to let you take over in my life. If you want to promote me, you'll promote me. If you want me to move forward, you'll, you'll make that happen. If you want me to be blessed over and above and have all kinds of provision, you'll make that happen. But I'm going to be content now and believe in faith that you will do those things. 
in Jesus' name. Does God want to add good things into your life? Yes, He does, but He wants you to be content in every single season along the way. Proverbs 10 and verse 22. This is how I know. It says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, but it's what it says next that's amazing. He says, and he adds no sorrow with it. Other translations says he has no strife. I don't know about you, but I want to live a strife-less life. I want God to put things into my life, and I want our church to grow and be the type where God adds things in, but he doesn't add strife as well. He doesn't add trouble. I remember when I, when I was young, I wanted to have a, I had this truck and it was pretty beat up. There were so many things that were wrong with this vehicle and I wanted to get a nice, much nicer car. But I could barely change the tires on the truck I had. And I remember desiring or wanting because I was looking at other things and saying, I want to do that. But I wasn't handing my desires over to God and being content. But the truth was in that season, there's no way I could have ever afforded to have a car like that. There's no way I could have even kept up with a car like that. There's no way any of that would have worked. And a heavenly father to a loving son says, I'm not going to give you that. Be content with what you got. But you got to give your desires to him and let him be in control. And I want to close with Psalm 37. Team, you can come back up. Psalm 37 says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And there's probably a lot of people that have read that psalm and know it. Think, yeah, that's delight yourself and put God first and let Him give you the desires of your heart. But I just want to encourage you what I think that psalm is really saying. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires. When we surrender our desires to God, when we say, you're in control, I know I'd like this. But that psalm saying, delight yourself in the Lord and He will put those desires in your heart. He will put them in there. And I think that's so true of the new life we have in Christ. Things change. Have you ever noticed that you don't want some of the things you used to want? You don't need some of the things you needed before that you were so desperate to obtain and own and possess. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It means He will give you new desires. And the old stuff that was just junk and not necessary and not needed will just fade away. But He gives us the desires that are the very best for us in Jesus' name. You believe it? Say amen. Come on, stand with me. I want to pray for some people before we finish. We've got a little bit of time. But I wonder if you could just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? How does this apply to me? I believe this message, this principle of contentment applies to everyone in some way, some, somehow, in every season, everywhere we end up, there's something in here for everyone. So I wonder what it is for you. Maybe you've been comparing yourself and that comparison has killed so much of your joy. Maybe you've been comparing yourself to some other person. It's just caused you to get prideful. It's caused you to get insecure or 
flat out just stop trusting God in that area, I don't know what it is, but I want to pray for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship for a little bit. Actually, before we do that, if this is the message that you feel is really speaking to you, really speaking to you, this principle of contentment, and you just want to, you just want me to pray for you, I just want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you, wherever you're at. Saying, yeah, that's me. I, I want that principle in my life. I want to live that way. I want to get some things right. Lord, you see every single hand raised, Father. And God, we just thank you, Father, as people open up their hearts, Lord, and lift their hands to you, Father, and cry out to you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that it's a heartfelt cry to a heavenly Father, and you hear it. You know it, Lord. You're aware of it. And God, I just thank you right now, Father, as as people open up their hearts to you, as people open up their lives to you, Lord, and say before you that they want to get this thing right they want to live with the principle of contentment they want to be content in what you've done and what you who you've who you are and what you've given to them God thank you that our contentment can be found in you so God I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would begin to break things off people that people would let go of insecurity people would let go of any fear people would let go of pride that they would just know that there's a God in heaven more than ever they would know that today they move forward knowing that God cares and He loves you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope you got something out of that message. We would really love to connect with you. Why not join us at church on Sundays or connect with us at colonialchurch.life. We would also love it if you could hit the subscribe button, maybe leave a comment for us or a review to really help us move the ministry of Colonial forward. In Jesus' name, God bless you.